Welcome to The Well Podcast, where we post the audio messages for our Sunday sermons. For more information about us and how to get further connected, feel free to visit our website at thewellaustin.com. Hi, my name is Henna. I'm a senior at UT right now. I'm a covenant member at the well, and I'm serving for the first time on Well Kids next Sunday. And I'm going to be reading from Psalm 77. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I'll remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I'll remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. This is the word of the Lord. All right, saints of the Most High God, how are we? Good. Hey, it's good to be here with you all um, today. Uh, I've been really praising God for this family that he's forming and kind of what he's doing here uh, in our church body. And so it's always just an honor, honestly, to be here and to see just how the, uh, the Lord is moving, how Christ is moving amongst us. And God is doing something sacred here. And so it's really encouraging to experience the beauty of Christ on a week-by-week basis, all right? And so we are in our Mountains and Valleys series, if you missed that. Um, and we are journeying through uh, the idea of lament today. Um, Now, what happens uh, with our lives often is that when trouble does come, particularly when we're desiring or expecting restoration, we can kind of get stuck and not know what to do. So what happens when the locusts in in Joel chapter 1 really do come? Like what happens when it's not a Joel 2 season? Lament begins to give us the answer for that reality. And so how do we go about life uh, not allowing the circumstances of life to steal our joy in faith? or even just kind of maintain joy in faith, but how do we actually grow in joy and in faith in the midst of whatever season that we may be in? Lament is actually the answer to that. In fact, if you go back through the journey of what we've been talking about, oftentimes, whether it's spiritual warfare or our sin or the brokenness of the world around us, only the, the, the through the valley of lament can we begin to see the celebration that God has for us, which we'll talk about next week, 
But only through those valleys can we really see the depth and the goodness of God. And understanding how to journey through those valleys really gives us an understanding of how to come to Christ in seasons of hardship. And so we often will need to walk through seasons of lament. The greatest wine, right, Charles Spurgeon said, is actually formed in the cellars of affliction. And so when we are in those cellars, how do we actually consume of the wine versus consume the bitterness of the cellars that we are in? Lament gives us an answer for that. All right, so off the top, uh, lamenting is very simply Christian mourning. All right, the actual definition for this is a prayer or a song that expresses sorrow or pain or confusion. However, though the definition is really simple, there are actually 18 different words or variations of words, all that highlight this idea of lament throughout the Bible. And so this is a rich biblical word with all of these variations because the concept of this is really important in the scripture. God knows that we live in a broken world. And while scripture is always trying to point us forward as to what is to come, at times we know that we are in the present and we have to know how to journey through this valley if we are going to endure to the mountain. And lamenting gives us the keys by which we can endure uh, this race ahead of us. As Becca mentioned, we're rooted in Psalm 23 in this series, and she actually quoted the very verse that we're talking about today. It's in verse four, where it says, even though I walk through, right? I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That means you're going to journey into death at times, into this scary place, but we do not fear. Why? Because the Lord is with us. And so lamenting is how we journey through the valley without despair. It is feeling the pain of life around us, but recognizing God's presence amongst us and his guiding hand that will guide us into life everlasting. In fact, I believe that if you understand how to lament, you can actually make it through seasons of difficulty even stronger on the other end with a deeper faith and deeper joy than you've ever experienced before. And so how do we lament, okay? I know that most Americans, myself included, are really, really bad at lamenting. Um, You know, kind of like when you prayed for the first time and it just felt really, really awkward, right? Like you're like, I don't really know how to do this. Maybe the first time you prayed out loud, or maybe like your first kiss, if you wasn't a natural, it's like, this was awkward, right? Lamenting can feel awkward when you first jump into it because like prayer, it's this muscle that you have to practice in order to actually get good at it. And so it's gonna feel weird if you're unfamiliar with it, and most of us Americans are unfamiliar with it. So how do we begin this journey of lament? That's what I wanna walk through today. But you and I are taught to quickly kind of get over stuff, right? Like to toughen up or to, to, to just put it in the corner or we need to not wear our emotions on our sleeves. We gotta bury it and get over it and put on this smiley face because that's what it means to be a Christian as if that's what the scriptures actually lay out. Even though there's all of these lamentations throughout the Bible, no, God is a feeler himself. In fact, as we'll see through the scriptures, God is also a lamenter. And so if you are made in the image of God, it is okay to lament, brother and sister in Christ. You can journey through this difficulty, not just burying these negative emotions, but realizing that those negative emotions may be a very tool of God to show you that something is off in this world and to lament is to understand what is off that you might find God in the midst of it. Come on, we up here today, right? Do you hear that? 
This is good news for our soul because if you are going to endure hardship, it's important that you know this practice. In the process, often of trying to get rid of our feelings, we just end up acting like everything is okay. And you can only act for so long before your mask begins to fall off. And often when your mask falls off, it reveals all of this darkness that was inside of you because you never rightly processed your suffering in a biblical way so as to heal. And so those wounds just began to fester. And at times it can create an incurable illness. We need to understand how to lament so that we might be healed. Lamenting is biblical, even godly, as we'll see today. And so if you find yourself not really in a season of, of seeing the Lord's restoration from what the locust has stolen, this is a good tool by which we can endure. And so Psalm 77 is this sweet psalm because it highlights these rhythms of lament and how we actually practice this well. Now, there are four rhythms of lament. In fact, every single lamentation of the Bible has these exact same four rhythms. And so the Bible is trying to teach us how to do this lamentation thing well. And the four rhythms are to pray, to complain, to request, and then to trust. We'll hit on those all throughout the day today, okay? And so don't worry, this will be up on the screen over and over. But virtually every single uh, uh, lamentation has the exact same pattern, now I'm taking those words and this structure from one of the books that I've most appreciated about lament because it's an extremely approachable book. It may not be the deepest, but it's really helpful for initiating us on this journey. And it's called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. And Mark uh, Rogop says in this book that lament is how we bring sorrow to God. Without lament, we won't know how to process pain. Silence, bitterness, and even anger can dominate our spiritual lives instead. Without lament, we won't know how to help people walking through sorrow. Instead, we'll offer trite solutions, unhelpful comments, or impatient responses. What's more, without this sacred song of sorrow, we'll miss the lessons historic laments are intended to teach us. And so it's important that we understand these four rhythms and learn how to apply them. And so once again, the first rhythm that I want to walk through that you see in Psalm 77, a psalm of lament, is that of prayer. Many of us, when we enter into seasons of suffering, we don't even begin with this rhythm, y'all. We don't pray, and then we wonder why we never see God in our suffering. It's because we're not going to God who is able to heal us from our suffering, it is often because we turn to our own paths of deliverance through our emotions rather than turning to God who created our emotions so that we can journey through the valley ahead of us. And if we don't do that, family, we're missing God amongst us. Notice Asaph here in verse one, he says that he cries loud to God, right? He ain't just like, dear precious Jesus, sweet counselor, father, how majestic is your name, sweet Jesus? Right? Like, no, he's crying loudly is what this says. Now, we don't know what's happening in Asaph's life, but based on this psalm, it's pretty serious at this moment. But Asaph begins not with trying to find solutions the way that most of us Americans begin with, and not with complaining, but he actually begins with prayer. He begins going to the only person who can answer the request of whatever it may be that is happening around him or within him. Charles Spurgeon, the, the great 19th century preacher and, and pastor, he said this of this psalm. He said, this psalm has much sadness in it, 
but we may be sure it will end well for it begins with prayer and prayer never has an ill ending. This is a prayer to the Lord, it says. You catch that? So we're praying to God. It's interesting that at times you and I tend to default to community because we want an answer. And we know that prayer like lamenting is often work. And at times in prayer, we have to wait to hear God's voice and wait to hear his answer. And because we don't like waiting or we don't like listening, we go to community because we want to microwave cook our lessons of pain and sorrow. But do you believe that God wants to answer you, family? Like, do you believe that God is a God who speaks today still? Like community, yes, a thousand percent. Fight for community, be in community. In fact, the Bible is clear. You will not make it to the end of this Christian race without community. And so yes and amen to community. However, what if our default was to go to the Lord when we're in pain rather than to those around us? Like, what if we actually believe that God wants to interact with our sadness and even heal our sadness, even if the situation around us that brought the sadness doesn't change? Like, what if God wants to move anyway? Do you believe that your God is a healer, a listening God, a God who wants to be present with you? You see, whether or not we believe that we can go to God in prayer when we're struggling actually reveals a lot about our practical theology. A lot of us think the right things about God, but we don't apply the right things about God, making our spiritual walks 100% less powerful than they should be. But to lament is in the Bible. And you see all throughout it, the writers, they always start off going to God. And so their prayer begins to show their theology that they think that God is a God who listens they think that God is a God who responds. They think they can take their request and be moved because God is an interactive God, not a God way off in the distance who does not care about your sorrow, but a God who is with you through the valleys of it, family. That is what is clear throughout the scriptures. Heartfelt prayer of lament is deeply rooted in Christian theology about who God is. In other words, it shows that you trust him, family. It shows that you have genuine faith. It shows that this world is broken, but God is faithful. And so lamenting now acts as this response between the pain of the fallen world and the promised faithfulness of our resurrected God. And so Asaph has to believe that God is a God who cares. Why do we know that? Well, because he's raw before God, saying exactly what he thinks about God before God. Look back again at this text. It says that he moans and he faints. In verse two, right? It's like, dog, I don't know if you've ever been praying, you're like, ah, I just, uh, and you faint. <laughs> but that's how much in turmoil this man is. But he's not fearful about what these emotions are going to do to God. He knows he could be vulnerable before God because God knows these emotions anyway. And he also knows that God is a God who loves him enough to listen to him and is kind to him and wants to care. Prayer shows us how much we really believe what we say about God is actually true in our hearts, family. Do you believe that God is kind? You see, without prayer, what happens is we move to phase two of lamentation and we begin our sorrow with complaining and we'll often find ourselves speaking falsehood about God rather than speaking personal hurt to God. 
And one of Satan's biggest temptations and his tricks is to take a season of suffering, which by the way, often Satan is the one that brings, or even if it's because of our own sin or the world around us, he'll take these seasons of suffering, have us begin to blame God and say that God is not good, but never have us go to God in the process with this sort of honesty. So then we begin to hide from God. Then we get mad at God and slowly but surely this internal bitterness begins to turn to genuine belief that God is not actually good. And Satan wins. And he begins to treat us just like Adam and Eve in the garden. Is God really good? No, now go hide yourself from him. And Satan's temptation has never changed, y'all. The same is true with us. What lamenting does though, is it brings this hardship directly into the presence of God. And we wrestle with God. And in that wrestling, what you always find out is that God is good, family. Well, lamenting is, is the opposite of what Adam and Eve did. They hid from the only one that can solve their problem. Lamenting brings our pain, though, to the forefront. It says it is real and there's a God who can do something about it. In Esther Fleece's book, No More Faking Fine, she says this about lamenting. She says, spiritual maturity does not mean living a lamentless life. Rather, it means we grow into becoming good lamenters and thus grow in our need for God. Like, don't you become a Christian kind of through the process of lament? You say, I am broken, God, I need you. And you bring yourself to God and then God gives himself to you. We never graduate from the gospel family. Lamenting is saying once again, God, I need you. And that is a good place to be in. And so the first step is to pray. But there's more to this Psalm 77 passage, and you can journey and see Jesus this week, even to look at how he's praying, which by the way, every one of these sermons is like a standalone on this huge topic. So I'm not covering everything in any of these sermons, all right? So I would encourage you, go to CGs. They have resources, they have books. You can journey into this more, but there's a lot of ways we can pray. But what I want you to take away today is the first thing is that of prayer, I think too many of us, family, have been trying to deliver our own souls for far too long. Turn to God. He can actually deliver. But when we turn to God, what is it that we pray? Well, this is where the answer, I think, surprises many of us, particularly in the Western world. The first part of lament is always complaining. That's the second phase of this lamentation process. You know, some of us need to become like little children in our faith and begin to trust in God again. But most of us don't have to become like little children in our complaining. We ain't never graduate. We're still five years old, right? We know how to complain. Our society tends to disciple us in the art of complaining. Now notice everything Asaph is doing here. He's complaining about God, saying that some of this is actually God's fault. He says, you are the one that holds my eyelids open. You are the one that is causing this pain in my life. He begins to complain about when things are better there in verse five, thinking about the times of old and acting as if the pain is God's fault even. He meditates about what his heart is feeling and he realizes that he feels like God will spurn him forever. He'll never again be favorable. Like he will not ever give his love. Like God will never again give his peace. Y'all, this is really serious language, is it not? This is accusation against the most high God. Asaph is anxious and he's worried that his present is going to be his future as well. Like the Lord will never restore what the locust has stolen. This is sharp. And yet, it's language that's used all throughout the Bible. 
Because part of lamenting is expressing to God how we truly feel. Now, you may think of this moment, isn't complaining sinful? And some of our complaints, they may indeed be wrong. In fact, some of our complaints may indeed be sin, but God knows that you think them, family. You're not hiding these from God. You're bringing these complaints to a God who can heal sin instead of trying to deal with those sinful thoughts yourself. Come on, some of y'all ain't get that right? Often you're trying to deal with your own sin. You cannot deliver yourself from your sin family. So even if your complaints are literally wrong, can't God deliver us from sin? And so at times it is okay because it's just emotive and it is very neutral. At times it may even be wrong. God wants you in his presence anyway, y'all. This is unbelievable. And most of us, we know the truth of the gospel. We know that we cannot come to God on our own. And so we don't need to clean ourselves up. But for whatever reason, when you become a Christian, you think you gotta clean yourself up. And you begin to forget the basic tenets of the gospel that God welcomes you into his presence. And so even if they're wrong, he knows what you're thinking anyway. You ain't sly, my guy, (laughs) right? Like he can handle it. A lot of us have felt what Asaph feels at times. And no matter how absurd it is, no matter how much we know in our minds it's not true, at times you can't help but to feel it because our emotional heart often overrides our theological mind. And so what do we do when this happens? Well, we bring these things to God, Notice again, Asaph says he's going to meditate in his heart. In other words, Asaph is going to get to the bottom of his emotions. Lamenting, like many spiritual disciplines, is really hard work, y'all. And so we avoid the hard work of figuring out our soul, but then we get frustrated when we don't feel deliverance for our soul. But often we don't feel this deliverance because we don't even know the right medicine to take because we don't even know the condition of our heart because we haven't sat with it long enough to understand. And lamenting often shows us the medicine that can help us mend our sorrows. You see, often I find many of us, we tend to complain about God rather than complaining to God and wonder why our faith is deconstructing. We're not going to the only one who can actually hold it together in the first place. I told y'all a few weeks ago, this last six months has been just a hard or really a six month period in 2022. It was a hard period for me. And I mentioned last week, while I'll be taking a mini sabbatical starting on February 13th, okay? And I mentioned that uh, this suffering was really difficult to walk through. And I remember in this suffering, I kind of had this spiraling season at one point. And I remember being in my office and I was just sitting there and I kind of prayed this very passing, but a very honest prayer to God. And all I prayed was, am I like Job? Like, I really felt like that, y'all. Like, I'm like, man, everything around me is starting to unravel. My body's unraveling. My heart is unraveling. There are things my friends are unraveling. There's all this stuff that is unraveling. Like, like, am I like Job, Lord? And I felt that. And what am I doing? I'm both praying, complaining, kind of at the same time, in one little simple sentence. And I turn to God. And then that same day, my friend sent me a random song that was like, hey, you won't be suffering forever. It's low-key kind of prosperity gospel, but it blessed my soul, all right? <laughs> and then the next day in my devotional time, I literally was sitting down and I felt like God said in my heart, hey, even if that were true, even if you were Job, did I not restore Job tenfold? Even if your entire life is that of suffering, will I not restore it in the end of all things? 
And y'all, I knew this truth, but hearing it from the almighty God myself began to do something to my heart. But it brought that complaining, maybe even for me to even realize what I felt about God and what I was feeling about my situation. And so us being honest can begin to put things out to actually receive the healing that we need before God. I literally felt like he said, I'm not gonna spurn you forever, Tori. And I took heart in the midst of that. Now notice here, right, in Asaph, he's given uh, space for his feelings of sorrow. And what he does, he doesn't immediately allow theology to impede on his emotions. Guess what most of us wanna do? Y'all tracking with that? Like we know the right things about God, so we're like, ah, this is wrong, so I'm not gonna feel this. Now his theology is driving his emotions. He's going to God, but he's also allowing his emotions to breathe as well. Y'all feel what I'm saying here? Yeah, does this make sense? Okay, Uh, point blank. It's not a sin to be honest before God, okay? It is not a sin to be honest before God. Uh, Let me actually say it like this. Could you imagine if Adam and Eve lamented when Satan began to tempt them in the garden? Like, what if they were like, turn to prayer, complain, wait, God, you are withholding something from me. Are you not good? And then waited for God to respond. What do you think would have happened? I think we'd still be in the garden because God would have answered. And so at times we try to move too fast, not realizing that to sit with God and to hear him will actually deliver us, family. Lamenting is important. Now, listen, I get it. There's danger in this practice that we're talking about today. And it's my hypothesis that a lot of people don't enter into lamenting because of that danger that exists. And the biggest danger is that we tend to get stuck in one of those four patterns. We get stuck in prayer and we never emote before God, or we get stuck in request or even in trust and just act like everything's okay. Or for some, they get stuck in complaining and they never move through these valleys. For example, verses seven through nine, many people tend to state these things as facts rather than asking them as questions. Instead of allowing this complaint to turn into a request, they begin to believe, not verses 10 through 19, which we'll get to in a second, but they begin to turn these question marks into periods and they begin to think these false things about God. They get stuck in this pattern. And I think that's why a lot of us don't enter into lament. And so even we as a community, this is where we can learn to sit with people in their lamenting, allow complaining to happen, to weep with those who weep, but we can also help people in their lament, helping turn their statements of verses seven and nine into question marks again and say, do you really think that's true about God? For some of us, what if instead of trying to jump from prayer to trust, we actually allowed ourselves to lament? I think there'd be healing For others, what if instead of getting stuck in the complaining mode, we actually journey through these valleys and we allow our community to help us where we feel stuck? What if we move those statements into, or questions, sorry, statements into questions and we heard God's voice again? I think getting stuck is a fear of ours, which is why we don't often enter into it and community can help with this. Now, a really quick, but a really important side about community, not just having this individual lamentation, but even lamenting as a whole. I don't find it strange that we're speaking on lament the weekend after more tragic videos gets released, right, about the Tyree Nichols case in Memphis. And I think this is an example where corporate lamenting can come into play in our spiritual lives and in our faith community as well. 
Because often what happens is our culture, we tend to move towards words of action first in the same way that we do with individuals who are suffering. We want to explain or fix or solve everything right away. And explaining and fixing and solving, that is right and good and true in its appropriate season. There is resolve. We'll get to that in a second. But at times, the right response is very simply to lament, to pray, to complain, to request, and then to re-allow our hearts to trust God despite the darkness that we see around us, believing that God is a God who will deliver from darkness. Listen, we can pray and then trust and believe that God in the midst of this journey will actually make our lamentation more effective as we begin to actually apply the things we know about God. And often what we're doing is we're trying to go from pray to trust and then begin to apply rather than journeying through. And I believe if we journey through, God will give us the right things to do more readily. Like healthy lamentation is often the precursor to effective biblical justice. Go read the prophets because what you're doing is you're centering your heart around God and around his character, not around your feelings. And as you center your heart around God and his character, but allow your feelings to play in the midst of this, you begin to move forward with more power in light of that. This was Martin Luther King's example. He began everything he did with lament first, and then he moved towards action. I believe making his actions more impactful because at times they would have a plan. And then as they sat and lament, that plan would change because I think God was directing them in different ways. And often we wanna move so fast towards action rather than allowing just the sitting and the grieving process to happen. Lamenting is biblical family. And so when things like this video happens, because we're unskilled at lament, we have a hard time comprehending and a hard time joining with our brothers and sisters in Christ who may have a hard time and are suffering and we don't know what to do and we move to trite responses or we try to ignore. We do the same thing with corporate suffering that we do with individual suffering because we don't know how to lament. But what if we actually got good at practicing this? I believe we would find hope in the midst of the darkest situations. Listen, the right response to individual and to corporate injustice, to pain, to sin, is to lament. I'm not saying you always have to feel, okay? I'm not saying that. But when you do feel, or when your community does feel, to walk with lament is godly and good. Uh, Song Chan Ra, in his book, Prophetic Lament, he cites this study uh, of all these Christian songs, okay, that were written from 2016 to 2017. And he said, the number of lament-oriented songs was well below 5%, despite the fact that at least a third of the Psalms are in a minor key. It seems that the American church avoids lament. Now he goes on to say, he's not suggesting that a third of the songs we sing be that of lament because there's all other types of songs in the scripture. And if you actually lay out all the Psalms together, it's not like a third of our life is lamenting. There are different realities. And often we are gathered together as a church to remember the victory that we have in Christ so that we can endure this tough season. We remind ourselves of the trust and of the hope. But the point of this study is really clear. Lamenting is strange to many of us because it's just strange to us, y'all. We don't know how to do this and then we get stuck. We're not discipled how to do this well. And then we see others get stuck and we don't wanna be where they are. And so then we begin to pause in the midst of this. But listen, what if through the valley of lamenting, you actually find the deepest joy of Christ? I get it, you don't wanna be stuck. 
Lamenting is not a fruit of the spirit. Joy is. But what if through lament, it's where you find the deepest level of joy? If you really want joy, this might be the pathway by which to behold it. And so I want to go into this idea of lamenting, turning our sorrow into joy. And at times we get stuck in this in-between. We get stuck right where we are right now. We don't understand the rhythms of how to process through this. But if we can move from complaint to request, I think we begin to move into freedom. And so that's our third uh, journey in this. And we're going to speed through this section now. Now this Psalm, the request is really, really short. In fact, it's only one verse long. And some of the songs, the complaining is long. And some of the songs, the prayers are long. And some of the songs, the requests are long. Okay, so just a really quick aside here. Uh, Two quick points. One, not all lamenting is the same. At times, you got to sit in certain rhythms longer than others. Y'all following that? It's a really important point here. But it also shows that lamenting is not some like magical formula. It's not like this upward linear thing that like as soon as you practice these four things, you immediately get deliverance. At times, you got to sit in different seasons longer than others. But if we practice this, then the trajectory should be upwards. And that might take weeks or months or even years for different suffering, but it's not transactional, but it is purposeful and it will bring deliverance. More on that in a second, okay? But here the request is really short. Asaph has a really simple request, verse 10. He just says, I appeal to God. That's it. He's like, you know what I need. He might be saying it a little bit haughty, arrogant, right? He's still kind of mad. But he's like, God, you know what I need. You are God. God knows what he needs. I remember when I was like 17, y'all, I was like crushing on this girl and uh, I was trying to move this like really, really heavy object. And somebody was like, hey, do you need help with that? And I was like, nah, I got it, right? And I'm trying to like crush on this girl. And I did end up lifting it and then my back hurt for like four weeks afterwards, right? (laughs) Which I don't know why guys do that. Guys, girls ain't impressed with that. Like if you wanna move 20 chairs for the glory of Christ, he might be impressed, but that single girl you're trying to impress ain't, all right? My back was hurting because I was trying to do it by myself. And our soul often hurts because we're trying to carry something that we cannot handle on our own. We don't lament because we are inappropriately self-sufficient. We try to handle these emotions that we weren't created to handle all by ourselves. You were created for joy. You were created for goodness. You were created for God's presence forever. And when we experience the brokenness of this world, it is abnormal to our souls. You were not created for that brokenness. You were created for a garden and for a kingdom. Going to God with the quest. Listen, you can't lift up your own soul often, family. You need somebody else to lift it for you. You weren't created to handle these emotions by yourself. And so we have not because we ask not. Go to God because he can deliver. Okay, and so request is important because it seeds our faith, but it also moves us to this final rhythm and is where we begin to experience God moving and that is the rhythm of trust. That's the last thing that we do here. Ultimately, biblical lament is not just complaining, though it involves that, and it's not just this spiraling sorrow, though it allows room for our emotions, but it's centering our emotions back into the trust of the Father and into the character of God so that we can journey through the valley onto the mountain with Him, so we can have joy. And so lament is not just emotion without resolve. Contrarily, it is emotion to resolve that God is who He says He is. 
Notice all the resolve that Asaph shows, mainly in this text by looking backwards, beginning in verse 11. He goes through all of these ideas about who God is in the midst of this reality. I highlighted several things where he's trusting God here, but all you gotta do is look at all the times that Asaph said the word you in this section and you'll realize his focus is no longer on himself, but it's on a God who is able to deliver. Now there's many ways to resolve. And at times looking forward is the way to resolve. And we begin to look at the hope that is ahead of us. However, often it's hard for us to see the hope that's ahead of us because we're blinded and clouded by the darkness that is today. So it's really hard to have hope forward. And so what memory does is it becomes a servant to Christians. Memory is a great servant to you, friends. When your faith feels like it has seven years of famine like Joseph in Egypt, memory becomes the storehouses of grain that you store up so that when there is no more grain producing, you can go to those storehouses and not starve to death. In other words, don't forget what God has done in the seasons of famine. When you were in the seasons of harvest, he often gave you those seasons of harvest to endure the famine. And this is where we trust God. We look backwards and forward and we realize the goodness of who God is. That at the end of the day, we get God. That's the motivation of lamenting is you get more of God. You're not just trying to get over your own emotions, family, but you're actually realizing I get God. Like this is what I get is I get the goodness and the pleasure and the beauty of Christ as I journey through my emotions. If your emotions are only to resolve so that you can feel better, you're missing the point of your life on earth. God is our everything. But if our emotions give us more of God, then maybe lamenting is a blessing in disguise. Tony Evans, a pastor up in Dallas, he says this of this passage. He says, by recalling this great redemption of Israel by God's hand, Asaph encourages himself that God would again come to aid or to the aid of his people. His delayed response does not mean abandonment. Thus, when God delays in answering our prayers, we need to remember how he cared for us in other times of distress. His footprints of grace from yesterday give us the power to trust him today. And here's the interesting thing about Psalm 77 is that this was actually written hundreds of years before the cross of Christ. Asaph is remembering this deliverance that happened in Egypt, which by the way, Asaph was not there for, family. And he's remembering God's power and God's deliverance. But you and I know of a much greater deliverance than, than Israel through the desert into the promised land of God. And we see an even greater measure of both God's love and God's power to redeem. And therefore, we can have an even greater hope and an even greater trust than Asaph had here. You see, Jesus is our great example of this, who, by the way, as that text said, sat at the right hand of God. That's what Asaph says in his request. You see, Jesus himself lamented while he was with, uh, in the garden to the Father. He said, I do not want to do this. If there is any other way, let this cup pass from me. That is a prayer of lament. Yet not my will, but yours, there comes the trust. You see, Jesus is the high priest, Hebrews 4, 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but one who in every way has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. 
Jesus knows what it is like to suffer. And yes, to lament in the midst of that suffering. And so to lament is Christian because Christ lamented family. Listen, John chapter two, verse 17 when he's describing this this injustice that is happening, he has this disgust of all of this false temple worship and he quotes a Psalm of lament. So Jesus is lamenting at injustice. John chapter 13, verse 18, right before Judas is going to betray him, Jesus is talking about this betrayal that he is experiencing and he quotes a Psalm of lament. And at the biggest work of Christ, we see him quoting Psalm chapter 22, verse one, as he's dying on the cross, a whole Psalm of lament that says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus lived a life of lament. He knows the injustices and the sorrows and the anger and the pain and the brokenness and the betrayal and the abandonment and the hurt that it means to be a human sometimes. So songs of sorrow, lament, can meet the man of sorrows, Christ, and it can give us hope in the midst of our trials, family. They invite us to enter into this throne room of grace with confidence that you and I might receive help in our time of need. Listen, y'all, Jesus sees your angry tears. He sees your fearful tears. He sees your sorrowful tears. He sees, family, you hear me? Jesus sees your tears. It is okay to cry before God, longing for times of restoration. To lament often moves us to that restoration in even deeper impact. Do you know that in Revelation it says that God keeps all of your tears in a bottle? and they become this offering to him. God sees your tears, family. He is not afraid of them. He invites you in. They become this worshipful act to God because God cares about you. And we are going to a place where there will be no more suffering. But while we are in the in-between of this suffering, God has provided a way for us to endure and lamentations becomes that way to endure. And so lament, it's a language for loss. It's a solution for silence. It's this category for our complaints. It has a framework for our feelings. It's a way to process our pain. And it's really a way to worship God. Now listen, those emotions ain't always clean, y'all. They don't always happen in a single day. Sometimes it takes weeks, months, years. However, the point of scripture is clear. God is for your healing, beloved. Some of y'all need to hear that. You are not the serpent. He does not want you to stay in the dirt forever. And so I pray that restoration would be in store this year for everyone that is in this room. But if it doesn't, if restoration does not come, don't lose heart, family. Lament. You may find an even stronger heart at the end of your lamentation than you did at the beginning of it. And you may find you have a deeper trust in God, not a weaker trust in God, as you call out to him. And as you call out to him, you may find that kingdom coming type of joy imputed into this season. You might be reminded that God is indeed a God who can be trusted. To lament is Christian family. And so if you do not feel restored, go to God still. And realize that the goal of lamenting is to get more of God. And as you practice this, I believe, that you get more of him. He is worthy, amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, I love you guys tremendously. Let's pray.
Christ Jesus, we thank you that you are not a God who is indifferent to our suffering. You are not a God who tells us to quickly get over our suffering. You are not a God that is afraid of our emotions. You care. God, honestly, I pray more than anything else that every single saint in this room would believe that, that you care. I pray that even right now, as we close in communion, remembering your body broken for us, as we worship one last time together this morning, I pray that we would remember that you care. God, I pray for some of us, we would enter into this prayer or we would move from prayer to complaint or we would get out of complaint and move towards request or we would really from request, even if we don't see you moving, allow our hearts to trust you because you are good and you are God. I pray that whatever we may need, you will deliver to us. Even this morning, Jesus, you're a healing God. So I pray for your healing over my brothers and sisters. Christ, I pray for those who do not have a relationship with you, who are stuck trying to handle their emotions by yourself. You can come today to a God who cares for you, family. You can come into relationship with Jesus and have deliverance, to have care, the care of the God of the universe. Christ, I pray for those of us who have come to you, would we feel your power amongst us as we lament let us know your grace. Praise in your beautiful name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you want more information about us or how to get further connected, please visit our website, thewellaustin.com.